Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Father, we come to you this morning and we just lift up the name of Jesus. We just thank you so much, Father, that on this first, first Sunday of a brand new year, we can put you first and put you in your rightful place. Jesus, you alone are what it's all about. I just pray for every person here this morning, Father. Thank you from the youngest to the oldest, that you've seen how they've come in and you know their comings and goings. You know everything that's going on in their heart and life. So I'm praying this morning, Father, for the, for the kind of service where time stops still and you just speak into people's hearts and lives directly, something not from me or from a man, but from heaven to a heart this morning. Lord, we want to be open to you and open to your word. So would you come and, and do a work in us? We thank you that we're not some sort of country club that gathers, but we're the living church, the, the church of Jesus Christ that's alive, that's Lord, has the living God here in our midst. So we don't take that for granted this morning. So feel free to rearrange and wreck our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Nikki and Luke. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors. God bless you for coming out. Made a good decision to kick the year off. I'm going to church for the first Sunday. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking, what is Luke playing? Is it a gitano? Or pitar, a kitar. Thank you. I was wondering during worship, as of between worshiping the Lord, I was also wondering, what is he playing? What was it called again? Yeah, a guitar, a pita. It's amazing. Anyway, it's very cool. Thank you, guys. Some of the, obviously during January, the team is a bit lighter, so thank you. Just a beautiful time to come in acoustic, acoustic reflection with the Lord. So that was great. Hey, uh, I hope you're shuffling into 2024 well. If you were here last week, you know what that means. No condemnation if you weren't, but we talked about, remember Cliff Young, that marathon runner, 61 years of age, that won that ultra marathon in five and a half days. I forgot to mention one fact, and that's the great thing about being a preacher when you've got another Sunday coming up your sleeve that you can make up for it the next Sunday when you forget something last Sunday. But I am going on two weeks leave after today, so I've, uh, for, I've got no room after today. But did you know Cliff Young, that 61-year-old runner that won the ultra marathon, running 24 hours a day for five and a half days, didn't just win by a little bit against all these 20 and 30 year old athletes from all over the world. He won by nine hours and 57 minutes, like nearly 10 hours he beat these people and uh, he shuffled on, just keep doing the Cliff Young shuffle. And I want to encourage you today that as we go into a new year, God is wanting you to and me to develop some marathon running techniques because life, as Paul talks about in the Bible, is, is like a race and it's not a sprint and it's not for the faint-hearted, but it's like a marathon where if you can develop a shuffle, you can develop rhythm in your life, you can develop a trust in God, a faith and dependency on God. Because, hey, it's a new year, but it's the same God. Amen? And He's with us this year. So I want to share this morning a couple of thoughts with you this morning that I'm excited to leave you with uh, today. Have you ever done what I've done where you've gone to uh, the petrol station and filled up your car and then walked in to realise you've forgotten something. Who's done that? It's a very awkward process, yeah, and you've like got to fill out these forms because you've forgotten your wallet. You've left your wallet at home, and who knows that the currency of travel is fuel. 
Last week I talked about the currency of life is time and we need to redeem our time. We need to make the most of what we have here, that deathclock.com is a real thing and it's coming for all of us. And, uh, but we need to make the most of the time that we've got and redeem it. And one of the ways that we want to do that, which we want to talk about today, is to make the most and use the most and release the most with something that we cannot leave 2023 without. You don't want to be stuck with this, without this, when you go into a new year because it is the currency of heaven and it is called faith. I want to speak this morning about faith being the currency of heaven. Heaven. I want to go to a story. If you got your Bibles there, if you got Mark chapter five, if you could go there, it's going to be on the screen. But in Mark chapter five, and I love the book of Mark. Mark is really a lot about Jesus, the Son of God. It's a lot about he, the, the the evidence that he was God with skin on. And, and there's so much miracles and so many things about faith. If you're thinking of what you're going to read for a new year, I'd encourage you read through the Gospel of Mark over January and have your faith stirred. We see that in, the, in chapter 4, he uh, calms a storm. Jesus can calm the storms in our life. And he calms this storm and he shows his authority over nature and over disasters. Then we see he gets out of the storm and he goes to this place and he, and he meets a demon-possessed person who identifies as Legion. And he casts all the demons out of Legion and he gets him set free and he comes into his real identity. And so Jesus has power over demons. He has power over disasters. And then he also has powers over power over diseases. Amen. Amen. I just think that's a good amen. But anyway, and we get to Luke and we get to this story where he runs into a leader after this and he's going to prove something else that he has power over and that you and I have power over because of him. And it's called death. And it's an interesting story about a man named Jairus. And I'm going to read, not from Mark first, I'm going to set you up with this verse on the screen, the first verse from Luke chapter 8, where it's recorded a little bit differently. It says this, Then after all this, after what, after what I just explained to you, a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, this church leader, uh, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. And Jesus was, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. As Jesus was on his way, that is to say that in Luke's account, he just moved straight on with it. Jesus headed off. Jairus, this church leader who had a 12-year-old daughter who was dying, was on her deathbed. And Jesus agrees to go and essentially says, yeah, I'll come. Now, when you can read that, it reads so quickly, doesn't it? But it's really interesting to note that Jairus, this Jewish synagogue leader, was crazy to do this to Jesus. Number one is that you would, for him to go to Jesus in broad daylight as a Jewish synagogue leader is to really put his position in the church, in sorry, the synagogue, in life at risk. He was an influential man. He had power and authority. And for him to go, you notice what Nicodemus did? Nicodemus, he went to Jesus at night in John chapter 3. Why? Because he didn't want the Jews to see him, to be seen going to this itinerant carpenter slash preacher, this now pre preacher, to be seen going to him. He was putting his position at risk. Jairus was willing. Why? Because when the rubber hits the road, when you get crisis in your life, when you really need help, 
Sometimes you'll even not care about what position it puts you in. You'll get suddenly a humble attitude to go, man, I, I need Jesus. My daughter is more important to me and her health than the position I hold. I don't care. And he goes and he puts his position at stake and they all see him in broad daylight going, not only that, for a Jewish child, when they were trained up as a Jew and raised up, they would never bow or kneel to anybody except God alone. You don't bow to man. And when he comes to Jesus, this Jewish leader, he kneels before him. He not only uh, puts his position at threat, he puts his traditions aside and he kneels. And what that is to say, he is actually saying, I believe you are who the rumours say you are. I believe you are the Messiah, the ones coming. And he puts his tradition at risk and he's like, Jesus, will you come and heal my daughter? This wasn't just a guy saying, hey, I've got a bit of a problem. This was a guy that got desperate. And I'll tell you, in 2024, we're going to come across some circumstances that hopefully call us to get desperate, not in our own strength, but to go to the King of Kings and to say, Jesus, I thank you that you're with me. But Jairus was expressing something here which... I would call in New Testament term, our day and age, a saving faith. He was putting faith and trust into Jesus and it's expressed. And I want you to watch a short clip right now. Actually, before you watch the clip, it's interesting that <laughs> Jesus agrees and he's going with Jairus. And this is not in the clip, so I just want to tell you. On his way as he's going, they start to go. The crowds are around him. And he's going to save a 12-year-old girl, but a woman who's been suffering for 12 years as well with an issue of blood, the Bible calls, with this issue that is destroying her life, comes up in the crowd but behind Jesus and reaches out just to touch the hem of his garment for healing. And she is immediately healed and Jesus realises that power's gone out from him. Why? Because there's heaps of people touching him, but not all are touching him with faith. There's heaps of people here this morning that come and hear the Word of God, but it's your faith. It's the release of faith that will get something from the presence of Jesus this morning and this woman touches his coat and Jesus stops and turns around and said who touched me and everyone's like the disciples are like well, well everyone no 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 who touched me and the woman comes forward and she she had also risked a lot in her day and age to touch to be unclean to be in that environment had risked a lot on her hands and knees crawling through crowd the crowd just going after Jesus expressing faith and Jesus looked at her and said your faith has healed you. It's a powerful statement. It's made you whole. You can now go back into the community and not be an outcast. You've had these 12 years. Anyway, beside the point, I'm, if I'm Jairus, I'm, I'm like, Jesus stops, heals this woman, great, but why do we have to hear her testimony when my daughter is dying? Why do we have to have the whole story? And she's telling her story, and if I was Jairus, I'd be like, hey, Come on, let's keep moving. Come on, I know, I know she had a 12-year issue, but I've got a 12-year-old daughter who really needs your help. And I love the series The Chosen, if you haven't seen The Chosen. And I'm going to show you a short clip where we get to right now when Jesus is about to set off to Jairus' house. Are a healer? Of more than just physical maladies, yes. My daughter is dying. 
I'm so sorry. But come. Come and lay your hands on her. And she will live. You've never met me. Yet you have this much faith that I can heal your daughter. I know you. Please. While you were gone. No. Why do I hear mourners and flutes? I said not to do that. She was sick. The daughter passed away. We had to make arrangements quickly. No. No. I went to find the teacher. He was going to heal her. I know who you are. Let's not trouble him anymore. Michal is with Nelly's body. No. No. I was kidding, Jesus. I went as fast as I could. Do not be afraid. Only believe. She will be well. Jairus. Jairus. Let's go in. Please stay here. We will... She will be well. No. <laughs> Got your Bibles there, Mark chapter 5 and verse 35 says this, while he was speaking, that was to the woman that he just healed with the issue of blood about what was going on there. Some came from the ruler's house, from the ruler of the synagogue, who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Verse 36, I love this verse and this is the theme for maybe this year for you or maybe this year for someone here today. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John and the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. 
After he had thrown everyone out, he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kolm, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. That's the text for this morning, which I just want to share a couple of thoughts on. Jesus has authority over disaster, over demons, over diseases, and even over death. And that authority, by the way, is here in this room in every born-again believer here this morning. Uh, Jesus saw this amazing faith of Jairus to trust him. And I love what he said, don't fear, just believe. It's interesting though, when you go to the next chapter, side note, you go to chapter 6, Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And the Bible records that they were so familiar with this guy. Isn't this Jesus? Isn't this just Joseph and Mary's son? Isn't this just a carpenter? And they were so familiar with him that the people that knew him the longest got no, not many miracles. The Bible says in chapter 6 there that Jesus could not do many miracles in Nazareth. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because of their lack of faith. He had just seen this, this faith from somebody who didn't even know him. And he goes to the people that know him the longest. And isn't that a sobering warning for us? The longer we go with Jesus, don't get so familiar with him that we get familiarized in a way that our faith dwindles and we don't expect for the amazing things that this Messiah, our King of Kings, can do. And he was limited there. The faith of the people around Jesus limited their experience of his power. Now catch that. Of course, we don't limit God's power, but our faith and how we exercise our faith will determine the experience that we have in life of God's power. It has something to do with it. Amen. This is why Paul said this. He said in 1 Timothy 6.12 on the screen, he said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold, that word means to seize it, seize on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In 2024, I believe God wants us to fight the good fight of faith. Paul says this to his younger um, mentor, the one he's mentoring, Timothy. He says, I want you to know how to fight the good fight of faith. And I love that because our fight is not against people. Our fight is not even really against the devil. Now, of course, biblically, we have pressure. We have uh, opposition. We have um, as Ephesians 6 talks about, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There is a wrestle. What is all this all about? This is all the pressure against us. But you know, the greatest fight you have really is the fight of faith. Why do I say the fight of faith? Because sometimes you've got to, you've got to exercise believing, catch this, believing to experience faith. You've got to exercise, you've been given faith, but it's your believing is what is exercising to experience it. And sometimes it is the fight of faith. And but, but by the way, it is a good fight. Why is the fight of faith a good fight? The fight to trust God, the fight to believe and trust His Word, the fight to believe God, who you are, who God says you are, the fight to believe that His Word is true, even though the world around me is saying everything opposite. That's the fight of faith. Faith, to believe, to trust. 
And it's a good fight because the fight of faith for all who endure, who keep just shuffling like Cliff Young, just keep trusting the next step, the next step, all who endure, endure to the end. It's the fight where we win. You know, the, we've read who wins in this book. Just read the last, the last chapter and we're on the winning team. So to trust God, to believe in God, the fight of faith is a good fight because we win. Have you ever been in a fight? Have you ever been in a fight and you have had a fight? Maybe I'm talking a physical fight. I have more, more on a sporting field than other things. A couple of church deacon meetings, but that's different. <laughs> Anyway, you know when you're in a fight and you come out and you win, but you're wounded? What do you often say? You say, gee, are you okay? You go, oh, mate, you should see the other guy. And when Jesus went to the cross, he was wounded. He was whipped. He was marred. He was beyond recognition. The Son of God on the cross, he, he, they couldn't kill him. They couldn't even recognize him. That's how he's to the point of death, unrecognizable. That's how much he was marred. But he, and how bad he looked, he looks at us and he goes, hey, don't worry. You should see the other guy. You should see the devil. You should see how defeated he is. I might look messed up here, but I'm rising in three days and I'm up and I'm about because you should see the other guy. See, see that, that's our king. That's our conqueror. That's the sort of faith that we have is that we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We start where Jesus finished. We start where Jesus finished. Our fight is a good fight because we're on the winning side and we overcome. In 2024, I want to encourage us that we need to fight the good fight of faith. And as I look at Jairus, I, I get the picture when at that moment where Jesus said those powerful words, hey, he just heard, you've just heard the news that your daughter is dead. And, and I love how the Mark records it. It's that Jesus is in a conversation, but he overhears this news. He sees this Jairus, this person that has expressed faith in him and trust in him. And he's now starting to, I believe the compassion of Jesus was like, man, he's here. They're giving him bad news. They're giving him a word of death. And Jesus quickly cuts in. He says, Jairus, don't fear. Just believe. Just exercise the faith you already put in me, you already now you've got to walk it out, you've got to fight. And I believe as he's walking home, he's walking and he's it'd be the longest walk of his life. It'd be like an ultra marathon. And he's like, just one step after another, Jesus, can we walk a bit faster? But who knows? You know, Jesus is never in a hurry, he's never worried, he's never in a rush, and he's probably just cruising along. And Jairus is like, Can we just go a bit faster? But you know, as he's walking in between a, a word from Jesus and in between a reality of death that he's been heard, he needs to fight the good fight of faith. That's where it counts. It's in the in-between moments in our life. It's when the struggle is real. It's when the rubber hits the road. It's when what you see doesn't match what you believe that you have to fight the good fight of faith. Hey, I see a diagnosis, but I believe that by his stripes I was healed. I've got to fight the good fight of faith. I see a situation. I see a relationship. I'm walking towards a dead thing. 
But the fight of faith is to believe it will rise from the dead. Maybe 2023 has left you with some dead things, some things that you're walking into and you're like, that thing is dead. But maybe this is the year to fight the good fight of faith in the name of Jesus, see a resurrection. See a resurrection of that business situation, a resurrection of that health situation, a resurrection of that financial situation. Whatever it is that God is saying, hey, would you believe me and trust me? I've got a word for you. Now you've got to fight the good fight of faith. And it's a good fight because you just got to keep believing. Does that make sense? You've got to keep believing and trusting. And Jairus is on this walk because who knows the just shall live by and walk by, not by sight. I know what I see, but I am convinced in what I believe. So Jesus says to him, don't be afraid, just believe. You have a choice to make now, Jairus. You have a choice to make in this walk. What are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to submit to fear or are you going to surrender to faith? And I want to ask you today, are you going to submit to the fears that are going to come this year? And hey, it's normal to be reactive and to be a human. I'm not saying that and, and all that sort of thing. But as people of faith, that's where we live in. We go into the faith zone and the trust zone and it should make a difference and change our lives. The word only believe there in the Greek root word, which almost sounds like a swear word, so I won't say it, but the Greek word there basically means this, to be persuaded as true. I think it's on my last slide, to be persuaded as true. He's saying, I want you to believe. No, I've got another slide there. Oh, I've got another one. Cool. I'll go back to that one in a sec. Thanks, uh, Chase. To be persuaded as true. I think of Abraham when I think about this, which was on that last one before, Romans 4.19. If that one's there. Thank you, Chase. It says this, and not being weak in faith. Who? Abraham who did not consider his own body already dead. Now, this is about the promise of Isaac, the promise for, for his lineage, the promise that he would have a son. And what did he do with this promise? He did not consider his own body. In other words, when you get a promise from God, don't look at your circumstances to figure it out. When you believe a promise from God, don't look at your circumstances to decide whether you're going to believe it or not. But you look at, no, he look, he's not, I'm not looking at my own body. Because if I look at my own body, I'm just going to be filled with doubt. And when you look at things that make you doubt, it, your faith is not being released and exercised. Anyway, it says this, already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. See, he didn't have a faith problem and no one here in this room, if you're a Christian, you do not have a faith problem. You've been given the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. To each man has been given in King James Version, not a measure, the measure of faith. Why would God give some, oh, he's a big faith, he's got little faith. No, he gives you the measure of faith. Yes, there is a gift of faith, and I get that, but all of us have the same amount of faith, but all of us are experiencing different results in our life because we don't all have the same believing. So you have the same amount of faith. I've got some good news for you what kind of faith that is. It's God's kind of faith. It's the same faith that spoke the world into existence and said, let there be light. It's that type of faith. Galatians 2.20 says this, For I have been crucified with Christ, and now I no longer live. I don't live. The life I now live, Paul says, I live by the faith of the Son of God, if you get the right translation, by the faith, not faith in the Son of God. It's the same kind of faith. Am I God? No, I'm not God. But I've got Jesus on the inside of me and it's his faith that I can exercise and release in believing. And Abraham says, I'm not looking at my body. 
I'm not going to waver through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Man, it gives God glory when you believe him. When you believe God, he loves it like a father, like a mother who loves it when they tell their children that they love him and they believe them. He just loves it. And he says, giving glory to God and being fully convinced, or you could say fully persuaded, believing that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. I, I, I often think of this verse, in my, it's one of my just favourite verses about Abraham and his life, how he just didn't consider not, consider not the physical because we're so in tune with our five senses, what we see, smell, touch, feel, taste. It's so real to us that it's more real than our spiritual senses. If you want to know what you look like this morning, here's your mirror. It's not a physical one. It's here. This is what the, God, the, the Word of God is your mirror that tells you you are righteous, you are holy, you are forgiven, you are blameless, you are pure in His sight, you are a child of the King, you have royal DNA flowing through you. But you won't hear that all week if you watch the news. But if you get our, our, our hearts into the Word, we'll get the truth and the knowledge of the truth will set us free. And so Abraham didn't waver. So here's a few thoughts to encourage us with fighting the good fight of faith. I keep saying here's a few thoughts. I hope you've got a few already because I'm... I haven't got many more. So the first thing that we see here in this scripture is we need to reject fear and choose faith. Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. I love that. Just, just only believe. See, fear is this human condition and experience that we all experience. And different things will cause us to fear different ways. Yet God calls us to live not in fear. In fact, Jesus has told us through Paul in another, another word to Timothy, he said, For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And that's the truth. You don't have a spirit of fear. So when fear comes to paralyze you, you can go, Yeah, I acknowledge that. I feel that. that I feel fearful. But praise God, I don't have a spirit of fear. That's not who I am. So Jairus is like, man, I feel fear. I've just been told the worst news I could be told. My daughter is dead. And Jesus says, don't fear. Don't let that paralyze you because if the fear paralyzes you, your believing won't believe. Only believe. You know, we are a people of faith, a people of faith. Our true identity is one of faith. We're to walk in faith. And one thing I notice about these couple of chapters in Mark is faith. And can we go back to the second slide that I missed? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the biblical definition of faith. If, it's, if that's possible, if it's not, that's cool. But in the amplified version of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, yep, another one back, I think. It's worth going there. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get something of gold out of this. And is it the next one? Next one? Look at Timothy. He said, I thought, oh, that's a good one too. There's lots of good verses up here. Who put, who put this together? I think it was the first slide. Just keep, yeah. Did I even put it on there? Not there, Toby? Anyway, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The reason I wanted you to you Google on your... Um, on your Bible app, the Amplified Version, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, but it also says in the Amplified, faith is the title deed. In other words, 
You own it already, and faith is the substance, the evidence that you own it. Now, you can't see that faith, but it's in exercising your believing that you fight the good fight of faith. So the woman who pushed through um, a couple of thoughts, she pushed through. See, faith is always active. It's an active thing, trusting in God. Faith is saying, God, I've read your word and I'm going to act like it's true. So I should walk around forgiven. I shouldn't walk around pessimistic, shoulders down, shameful, guilty. Do you know the truth? You've been forgiven. It's good news. Now you should walk like you believe that it's true and act like it is true because it is the truth. And faith, this woman, she's like pushing through. She's active. She's active. Maybe she realized there was healing in the wings of his garments. Maybe she realized she was trusting in something and she's just pushing through. Um, uh, James put it this way. James, in his book, he said, faith without action is dead. It's dead. Faith that is just on its own is not alive. When it comes alive is when you exercise your believing and trusting and faith with action comes alive. Uh, another thing to, to fight the good fight of faith this year is to know that God's word is your truth and to feed your faith. The Bible says that faith comes by seeing miracles. No, it doesn't. Does faith come by seeing miracles? I'm sure it could do something to gauge your faith and, and um, stimulate your faith. But the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So faith doesn't come from emotion or seeing things in miracles. Faith comes by hearing God's Word. That's why when you read the Scriptures, it's good to read it out loud. Read it to yourself. Preach to yourself. In your mouth, out of your mouth, into your ear, so that you are hearing the Word of God. And I tell you what, this is what quickens faith on the inside of you. And again, it's not just like, oh, I've John 3.16, I'm just reading it. Faith, has it come alive yet? No, it's, it's feeding on God's Word, trusting the truth in it, and it feeds your faith. I'd encourage you, whatever season you're in this year, find something in the Scriptures to go, this is, where I, this is what I'm going to focus on. Over January, find, say to God, God, what is, what is my word for this year? What do you want me to be feeding on this year? I remember when, um, <laughs> when I had a really hard year, but I remember I was feeding on a Scripture in January, and it was, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I've actually written that one down for the next six months in a little bit of planning, but I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That was one of the worst years of my life. But I tell you what, I saw God's goodness, because you don't just see His goodness in good times. You see His goodness when all hell is breaking loose in your life and you are holding on and fighting the good fight of faith to believe. We need to trust in God's Word. Another thing we need to do, like um, Jesus did here in this story, is we need to throw out the doubt. Like I said, doubt, I, I didn't realise this in studying this week, that you can actually, um, in the secular world, doubt is a virtue. There's a virtue of doubt. People think that having doubts is being authentic, sincere, and it's being real, and it's, a, it's about embracing uncertainty. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? Let's see what the Bible says about doubt. He who is double-minded in all his ways, he's drifted here and there. Like, yes, we all have doubts. I'm not saying we don't. But don't embrace it. Don't go, yeah, that's the place to live in. Doubt is not the place to live in at all. And it says here that um, when Jesus got to the house and he got there and he sees the, all the mourners and the wailers and the, the wailers, all the mourners and wailers, and they're all wailing and mourning and they're, they're, they're crying and whatever, um, 
And Jesus said, the child is not dead, but asleep, because who knows with Jesus that even this little death is just temporary. And they all laughed at him, and he threw them out of Jairus' house. Not his own house. He threw everyone out of someone else's house. He's like, I don't need you here. Jesus threw them out. Why? He didn't need their unbelief to hang around. And I want to encourage you this year, there are some things you need to throw out of your life. Maybe some relationships that you need to throw out of your life because you don't need their doubt in your life. Some situations, some places that you've got to stop going because it just is not good for your life. Throw out the doubt. Throw out the things that aren't feeding your faith. I'm not saying throw out people and things like that, but you know what I'm saying. I don't go home today and all my bags are packed and the sky's like, yeah, off you go. I heard the sermon. You're making me doubt. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> But I'm talking about things that you need to get aggressive with. Jesus is like, man, I want this needs to be an atmosphere of, of faith and trust. And he takes the mum and dad and takes them in because they had covenant authority over their daughter and they were there. What do you need to do this year? A couple of closing thoughts as the team can come back. Well, a small team. Luke and Nikki can come back up. Is um, You have all that you need already when it comes to faith. When you were born again, you were given the measure of faith. I really believe that. And the question is, what are you going to do with what you have already have? How are you going to release it this year? And one of the key ways that Jesus did it as, uh, in this story is he used actions and words. His words and his actions. He said, he said um, took it by the hand and he spoke. I love how the chosen put it. I don't know if that's that's the little lamb. I love that. (laughs) That was so cool. And he spoke. And as he spoke, uh, faith is released. And so it is in our life that when we believe and act in a congruent way of faith, so in a congruent way of what we believe, faith is released that we already have. For example, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what Romans 10 says. So what is it? It's a mouth-heart connection. It's a mouth-heart belief. It's a believing in the heart. But you know what? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth has to speak. And as you speak the truth of God out of your heart, faith is now being activated. Jesus put it this way in Mark 11. And he said, he said, have faith in God. He said, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt but believes what he says, it will be done for him what he says. Three times it says the word says. Believing, having faith is not enough. It's activating it. That's why there are different experiences in all our Christian life. Are we activating, walking, living by faith by what we speak? Speak faith. Don't speak just hype. Speak the Word of God. Speak God's Word. And as we do, the power of God is on it. We have it already we need to release it. And one of the ways is that you're like, where is that faith, Brad? Where is that? Because I don't feel it. And that's good because faith is not a feeling. And it is in your born again spirit. But the thing about your born again spirit that has the faith of God is it needs to get out. And the way that it gets out is into your mind. And this is why Paul said in Romans 12, 
If you want to see a transformation in your life, renew your mind according to my word. Renew your mind. When you speak the word, you're renewing my mind. It actually means to have a renovation, to have a whole new old out, new in. And as you get God's word in your mind, renew your mind, what's on your spirit, that faith comes out and is manifested, really. And so this year, I want to ask you, what does Jesus need to maybe come and touch you to say, hey, fear not, just believe. What is it in your life that He would look at you like He looked at Jairus and goes, hey, I know you're scared right now, but I want to say to you, believe and trust in me. That's number one. Number two, I want to say to you, what do you need to go to and take it by the hand and speak life to it and speak faith to it this year? Maybe it's something very specific for you. It's something that you need to have actions and words of faith. This is the year to take it, to grab it, to say, no, no, no. I've been believing wrong about this. And now I'm trusting in God. I'm going to speak to it this year. As I close, you know, faith coming to God is, as I just quoted, it, it's the start. We start where Jesus finished. And maybe you're here this morning and you haven't started your journey with Jesus. And you would say, Brad, oh, I want to I get my life right with God. I want to start my journey with Jesus. And that is a step of faith. That is to say yes to Him, to say yes to the forgiveness that you need because you're a sinner in need of saving like all of us. We all need His saving grace that we celebrated at communion. And it is free. You can't earn it, but you can receive it this morning. And so I'd like to close and give you an opportunity at this brand new year to start off your relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to invite us all, if you would bow with me and close your eyes, I'm going to, I'm going to pray a prayer. And just as your eyes are closed and heads are bowed, Father, He's knocking on the door of your life. If that's you this morning, that's you this morning, you say, hey, I want to get my life right with God. I've never done this. I've never asked for forgiveness of my sin and received this gift of eternal life, this gift of forgiveness. I've never done that. While every eye is closed, if you want to join me in this prayer, we're going to, we're going to all pray it together. But if you want to do that for the first time and, I, and you say, Brad, would you pray for me for this prayer? Would you just raise your hand and say, Brad, I'm doing that. And I'll get you to raise your hand just to acknowledge it so I can pray for you. Yep, see that hand. Anybody else say, hey, I'm praying this for the first time. Yep, see that one. Sorry, if, I'll, I'll, if you look at me once you put it up and yep, see that hand. Thank you, sir. Anybody else just say, would you pray for me with this, Brad, because I'm actually doing this for the first time. Just looking over one more time. Just want to give you this opportunity. We believe here at Kalamunda it's a spiritual offence not to give people the opportunity to say yes to the King of Kings. All right, well, I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to invite everyone, everyone in the church to pray it after me. But if you're one of the people that raised your hand, I just want to encourage you. This is you trusting in God. This is you putting your faith in Him for the first time to say, yes, I need this forgiveness. Let's all pray it together. Say, dear Lord, I come to you this morning, a sinner in need of your saving. I believe you died on the cross for all my sin. Please forgive me. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe you rose from the dead. And I ask you now, come fill my life. You died for me. Help me live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. As you've got your eyes closed, I just pray a prayer of blessing. Lord, I just want to pray for the people that raised their hand this morning. 
Father, that you know them. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're the best follow-up person in the world, that you follow us up in our hearts. But help us to be that church, Lord, that helps people and take their next steps. So I pray a blessing over them. I pray a blessing over the people that raise their hand, Lord, that this is a new beginning. This is not just a new year for you. This is a new beginning for you. This is a line in the sand. This is a shifting of, of darkness to light. And you're going to know and experience things in your heart that are going to be so awesome. God's got such awesome plans for you and transformation for you and he just wants you to know that you are so loved and he's smiling on you this morning he fully smiling on you this morning and loves you he's not angry he is so proud of you this morning for saying yes to him so i speak a blessing over you and i speak the future that god has for you and i speak the faith of god to be fought in your life with his strength Father, I just thank you for this morning. As we go into a brand new year, Lord, we just thank you that this year is yours. We just commit it unto you and say, your kingdom first, Father. Help us to seek your kingdom first and to put you in your rightful place. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm going to let Nikki lead us in maybe another song before we close off. And there's Barista Coffee. If you raised your hand, I'd love to meet you. Um, I'm going to be around. I'm going to go over this side. I'll be around there. I'd love to meet you. If you raise your hand and you like prayer. Or if you are here and you didn't raise your hand but you would like prayer, uh, some of our prayer team will be available too. So uh, God bless you.